Most Reverend William Byrne, Bishop of Springfield, Massachusetts, our local ordinary, family members of Father Seraphim, especially Sister Victoria, Marianne. I know that Father Alexei is also watching his brother, who is a priest, Eastern Rite priest in Washington, D.C. area. My brother priest, uh, Deacon Bob, all the Marians who are here, brothers and seminarians, as well as all the all of you who are here as close friends of Father Seraphim, co-workers. I'd like to extend a special acknowledgement and greeting to all the people who watch us, because we've been doing these live stream celebrations of this Holy Eucharist, and there are thousands of people who watch each day. So we extend a special greeting as well to you, to all of you who have been with us and those who, of you who will be joining us for the first time. I'd like to extend also a greeting to all the members of the Association of Marian Hoppers, members of the Confraternity of the Immaculate Conception, and all the other movements, you know, the, those who follow the Marian Missionaries of Divine Mercy, as well as all our apostolates. I'd like to extend a special greeting to all of you. I wish to greet in a special way also those who extended their condolences from every continent you know, Father Chris, who has been receiving many, many emails each day, hundreds, even thousands that we have received, my I as well. But in a special way, I'd like to extend my appreciation, deep appreciation for Cardinal Jeevish, who contacted us immediately after the death of Father Seraphim. As you know, he worked very closely with him in this home, you know, in preparation for both the beatification and, and canonization. Father Seraphim was the North American uh, postulator for the cause of St. Faustina, and both the miracles took place here in the United States. As a matter of fact, Bob, it's your, your faith that has led you to Krakow, your faith that you had, and, and, uh, and Maureen, that you were there, which is a great privilege to have you here at the celebration of, of his passing away. I know that at this very moment in Krakow, at the International Shrine of Wagivniki, as a matter of fact, the Mass has already started right now for him. So, so it is kind of interesting how the Lord put many, many things together. E EWTN is also transmitting it through its Facebook. Uh, we have representative radio, relevant radio. Drew Mariani, who has worked with other seraphim for almost 30 years, producing the movie Time for Mercy, as well as as, as your continuous uh, promotion of divine mercy through relevant radio. We, we have profound and deep appreciation when expressed, the deep appreciation for all of you. In many ways, I would have to say, I would have to include all of you since I know you, what you have done, but there's so much. Here we have sisters uh, from the Mother of Mercy uh, uh, community, the Mother of Mercy, uh, Mother of God, I should say, Congregation of the Our Lady of Mercy community. I'm sorry, from the from Krakow, but you are here in Boston area, as well as here in Washington. Also, Oblate Sisters who are here with us, who've been working with us since 1960s, been very close to us, both here in Washington, D.C. We deeply appreciate also your presence and your love for the Eucharist, you know, especially your primary um, 
responsibility and love is Eucharistic adoration. Why do we gather here today? It is very simple. It's that Father Seraphim, in Father Seraphim's life and in his mission, we, we recognize something special, that he was a man of God. He was a genuine witness to Christ. He was a priest formed by, the, by God's merciful love. He was an apostle of God's mercy. We gather here at the shrine because we want to give profound thanks and praise to God for God's love for us, because we wouldn't be here. God has chosen us from the very beginning. He loved us so much that he sent his only son so that we may be saved, that we may, be, that we may share eternal life. But also we gather here because we believe that the sacrifice, this Eucharist, is the greatest prayer we can offer. It's an atoning sacrifice. We partake in this very moment in the timeless offering of Christ on, for us. He died for us. And so Eucharist is making present the great gift that God gave us, the great gift of his redemptive love. You know, the, his dying, his heart pierced with the lands, pouring forth the sacraments, his love that we may have life. So we gather because we believe in this Eucharistic celebration as being the greatest act of prayer that we can offer on behalf of one another. And in this case today, on behalf of Father Seraphim. So we do so. Also gather as the body of Christ joined together in faith. For it is through our baptism we have been not only cleansed, but through the baptism we have become incorporated into the very body of Christ. But you know, we gather here because of him, Father Seraphim, because he wanted to do something special. He wanted to be faithful to God for the call that he has received. But you know, that no matter how expected it is, we know he was, 80, he was 90 years old. But you know, if you were to meet him, and if you even were to see him, and we saw him yesterday, and even this morning, he doesn't look like he's 90, he looks like he's lot below. I'm not too sure even how to, to express it because his face is youthful. There's a smile on his face. And, and, and this is what he was. He wanted to offer his life for Christ. So no matter how expected death is, there's always a shock. There's always something here because we know that the human existence, it, it's just within us. We wish to do something. We wish to live. We wish to live forever. We don't accept the fact is that this life concludes here because in fact it doesn't. And so it is through this liturgy, through the words that Jesus gives us, he gives us continuous assurance of what he wants us to know, how he wants us to feel and to experience what this next stage of life will be. And you know, in today's readings, you know, if you look at the gospel, Martha says to Jesus, if you were here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise. Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. And St. Paul says to, thy, to us that this is great love for us, that nothing can separate us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but handed him over to all of us. Will he not also give us everything else along with it, with him? Who will bring charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us, who will condemn us. It is Christ who died, rather raised, was raised, and also is at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. So nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing, absolute nothing, neither death, no sufferings, nowhere, no matter what it is. In our first reading, even from the Old Testament, it says the souls of the just are in the hand of God and no torment shall touch them. They seem to be in the foolish to be dead and they are passing away to be in affliction and yet they're at peace because God welcomes life. He is God who has created us. He's a God who welcomes us to him because we cannot continue our existence. He sustains us because grace and mercy are with the holy ones. You know, if you were to look at the scripture and if you were to look at the various readings, and there's so many readings for a funeral, and every one of those readings speaks to us of hope, of this consolation, or even joy of entering life. And, you know, I have to say that Father Seraphim, you know, he was ready to go anytime. You know, he was ready to go. You know, uh, I, I, you know, he had he experienced that uh, cancer, the lymphoma, and he wanted to go. Then I said, you know, Seraphim, you don't have permission from me as a superior. <laughs> so you better change your mind. We still need you. But that was nine years, ten years ago. And even even recently, he said, I'm ready to go. We, you know, we met just before he went to the hospital, you know, eight days before he went to hospital, he went to confession and we anointed him and, and you know, I gave him the apostolic pardon, you know, through the mysteries of our faith and remission of sins. And he was ready, he was ready to go. But you know what, I had a sense that probably he would go. So I, I gave him a long hug, you know, he didn't wear a mask, but I had already COVID, so I should be okay and I'm okay. So at any rate, the, uh, uh, he was there, he was ready. He was very peaceful, if you have known him, he was very peaceful. He was not anxious about what will happen to him because he was basically ready. You know, I, I usually feel like I'm not ready because my office is not really put together. <laughs> but he wouldn't worry about that. His, his, his cataloging in his room was all over the place, however he knew everything where it was, but he wasn't worried about that. He, he loved the Lord. Um, he was, he was, he, lo he loved the Eucharist. Absolutely loved the Eucharist and celebration of Mass. You know, he was Eastern Rite ordained because his father was Eastern Rite, Melkite, um, Byzantine. Uh, but he also was by ritual. So he was celebrating both of Eucharist, but he loved the Eucharist. Sometimes people would come late at night because they travel on Sunday. He would be there for them. He would celebrate the Mass no matter what time. He was always there, always, always celebrating with incredible, peaceful heart, with the incredible sense of presence, what he was doing. He was very, in a sense, devout, pious in a sense, not pious in a sense, you know, uh, negative, but, but truly loved the Lord. You know, um, he was introduced to the, into divine mercy early in his life, as some of you already know. 
Father Seraphim recalls first hearing about Divine Mercy when he was 14 years old. And Father Gary, you're, you're from, you know, from uh, uh, not too far from here, from Adams, St. Stanislaus Parish. And it was Father Pell, one of our priests, who went to visit his family, Father Michalenko's family. And there he spoke of St. Faustina, of you know, Father Joseph, of this divine mercy, the image, the whole thing. And so Father Seraphim was there listening as a 14-year-old boy. And as he said before, as he said, his heart was stirred up. And he said, I want to be a priest. I want to be someone who promotes divine mercy at the age of 14. And then subsequently, the pastor of St. Stanislaus invited Father Joseph Janjambowski, who brought this message from, uh, from, uh, from, from, from Father Sopachko, from Vilnius, not even two, two years uh, you know, uh, uh, after the passing of St. Faustina. And so his Father Jozembowski went, Father Joseph went to the parish and he gave incredible talk and he convinced the pastor to purchase, to, uh, to actually request for a beautiful image. And since then it was there, the divine mercy image is still there. So, so again, how did God introduce him in God's providence? He knows everything. So he leads and guides us. And so he went to a minor seminary. He went to the novitiate. He uh, completed his studies in the US. He went to Rome at the Angelicum, uh, received not only licentiate uh, from Angelicum, but also from the Rusicum, which is the uh, Eastern Orientale, the school that prepared him to be a priest of the Oriental Rite. And you know, then a, a piece, you know, Father Seraphim's life kind of took him in many directions. He became a, uh, 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 a teacher, a professor at Catholic University for a couple of years. Then he was a pastor of Eastern Rite churches in Australia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. So he was a pastor and then the community asked him to promote divine mercy. So from 1979, that was the beginning and he never stopped. Once he was entrusted with his message, he never stopped. He did everything that was possible. He brought the, you know, work together with the uh, Sisters Congregation of Mother of Mercy, uh, Faustina's community with Sister Beata. He brought the diary. We were able to publish it in Polish and then in English. I, he was actually, he was the one who dragged me into the work uh, with, to help him with the publication of diary in Polish. I was just before I entered the community. He asked me to come, You've gotta be here on June 1st of 1980 to start working on it. And obviously that completely turned my life around by reading the diary. And it's incredible, incredible gift that God gives to us, both spiritual direction, but also the message of God's mercy, which is so clearly there. I had to read it twice because to proofread it. And so that's what happened then. And as we know that not only did he did not stop this promotion, but he did everything he could. He became the director of the association. He was working in Rome. He was you know, writing many things, articles, preparing booklets, preparing the movie in Rome. He was a, asked to be the secretary general for a while, but during the time he produced one movie, uh, The Life of Faustina. And then he came back here. Uh, there was, we prepared another movie, a third movie. So, so he was very much involved with media, uh, participated in so many con conferences. He, uh, he was able to, to initiate so many things like being a rector of the shrine under his, his uh, guidance and through the efforts of the bishops conference 
Committee on Liturgy. The shrine was established to be the national shrine. He was at the very beginning of World Apostolic Congresses on Mercy from 2005, very much involved with the executive committee, which I also shared that role. Uh, and, and then we had four World Apostolic Congresses on Mercy. He initiated the movement, the apostolic uh, uh, groups that we have, whether it's the, you know, uh, the John Paul II Institute of Research Center, uh, the Mother Mercy uh, Messengers. Uh, we have the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Mother of God Messengers, as well as, as, as the uh, healthcare professionals for divine mercy. Anything that he touched, he always initiated something. And so even though he always, the Lord always found him people to work with, you know, he, he always found somebody to help him out on his, on his, on his, in his task. And, and, and I think that we have to say that God in his providence was always able to lead and guide him in a way that he wished. Just like, you know, I men mentioned Deacon Bob, of course, Bob was, was the one who initiated this whole first miracle. You know, he traveled with his wife to Father Seraphim because he heard that Father Seraphim was the postulator for the cause of the uh, beatification of St. Faustina. And, and, and it is something that Father Seraphim always acknowledged. He says, I could not really comprehend that Father, this Bob, this Deacon Bob right now, together with his wife, that he says, I want you to go with me to the grave to the tomb of, of Faustina, because I want you to be a witness of a miracle. And Father Seraphim says to me, he says, either the man has full of faith uh, or, 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 or he is something with, with great presumption, but he says, no, he had faith, he had love. And Bob, thank you. Thank you for that gift of faith that you had. And you took Father Seraphim, took Victor Daniela, you know, yes, and, and he came here he went and he witnessed that miracle that was that was was used for the for the first miracle in the process of canonization of saint faustina and i remember your story the way you relate and that movie that you produce powerful beautiful movie the witness that you give but as you know seraphim wanted to make sure that everything was done correctly if you have known he was very much conscientious of of everything that he's done and, you know, he wanted to make sure that, that Maureen went to a confession to receive the Eucharist before you would begin the prayer. And we know that through the sacramental life of the church, that's the foundation. Faith and sacraments is the very foundation of, of what we have because God works. He's real. He's present. And so thank you. And I wish especially to, to, to speak to Maureen, who is not able to be here physically not able to be here, but I want to thank you, Maureen, for, for your faith, for the desire to walk this journey of faith until you receive this extraordinary grace. And of course, your son as well, you know, with his, with, you know, with his, uh, you know, uh, uh, the illness uh, which caused him uncontinuous seizures, which also was healed at that time, you know, so receive a double miracle. Uh, in in and then from there, many other. Now the second miracle that took place was with Father Paitali in, in Baltimore. <clears throat> this is 1995. We we initiated in Washington D.C. the celebration of Divine Mercy Sundays in 1990. Cardinal Hickey was the one who was very very important for us. We worked together very closely, and and it was we extended this celebration of Divine Mercy Sunday into Baltimore 
which which actually uh, uh, centers its, its all its activity in in, uh, in 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 Baltimore and Father Paitel on that special day on October 5th I was actually witnessing I was present there uh, people were praying for him he was so weak he was sitting in the back and we had a, a day of adoration and I ended up sitting in confessional for several hours and kind of quickly left it was during that time that this uh, second miracle occurred and then it was for Father Seraphim again who took this this miracle and 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 prepared it for the for the for the church initially it was rejected because one of the doctors said that it's possible to explain it naturally this was a year during the john hopkins year of of study on faith and healing and it occurred during that year so there's a lot of a lot of uh, news that spread around the world at that time from them but uh, but uh, what we found out later is that actually he wasn't healed because he had defective heart. And so this cardiologist, Dr. Fuster, he was the one who, who was able to convince the Holy See that he was born with a defect. So it's not possible to heal, he was born with a defect. I'd like to just share just, uh, just a couple things. Why? Why did God choose him? Of course, God chooses all of us. You know, we didn't choose him. He chooses us. And yet we cooperate with him. And I think I can say that Father Seraphim had this gift of incredible faith, but also humility. He was able to do whatever, whatever he was asked to do, that he was always available to do God's work. And, you know, and the Lord somehow guided him in this particular way. He always gave him the means by which to attain the good, as I mentioned, the, the various people worked together with him he was always able to accomplish and yet you know he he had this this faith where he said i asked the lord already i know that he'll deliver at his time i do not know when but that's okay i'm all right with that this type of faith that he is that that, that god will provide and and it was something that in his life he manifested he manifested because he was he was always ready to say yes to god now, at the end of his life, I have to say that being here at Perkshire Medical Center, there were so many good doctors who were there, nurses, who, who gave up their convenience, their life for the sake of the sick. And I came very close to them, to speaking with them. I could mention a number of doctors who were very much participants in that, nurses, and also people who helped Father Seraphim in, in a special way. You know, the um, Nurse Marie, as we call her, Marie Romagnano, who, who together with Father Seraphim and with the community established the Eucharistic, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Healthcare Professionals for Divine Mercy. She was there, she was a nurse with him. She was the one who was tour guide. She cooperated with, with that. Was very, very grateful to God. And the people, especially in our community, who tried to assist him in his last day, in particular Jason, Brother Jason, who was with him as we changed his status from, from the step down or intensive care to comfort care hours before the suggestion of the doctor because that, no one would be able to visit him. So that Jason was there for an hour, gave him Holy Communion 30 minutes before he passed away. So he was provided completely. And, you know, I have to say that he died on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, Immaculate Conception. Of course, we as a community, Marians of the Immaculate Conception, consider that to be a special day for us because in honor of her. But, you know, 
he felt better on that day. And then all of a sudden the Lord led him and took him home at nine o'clock PM to be exact in Europe is 3 PM. Uh, and, and he, as he drew his breath, it was our lady, I believe, who we believe as Marians of the Immaculate Conception, who uh, met him, led him to our Lord Jesus. Uh, just two, 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 sta two statements by Seraphim, and I would like to read you a letter from our Superior General for this occasion. And you know, Father Seraphim not only was a man who focused on so explicitly on this message of mercy, but he wanted to, to share it with everybody. That's why so many people knew him in the Philippines, Indonesia, in Africa, South America, wherever he went, Europe, wherever he went, to Thailand, including Thailand as well, he, wherever he went, seems like people, perhaps maybe not everybody kind of heard his theology because sometimes his theology was kind of elevated, you know, closer to the style book of Hebrews. And, it, and he was, but they wanted to be with him. But they, in India, wherever it was, he, he was someone who wanted to give of himself. And he did, working together with Mother Teresa's sisters, for example, and many, many other communities. And, and he wanted to give himself. And you know, the only thing I can say is this, he entrusted his life to Christ. He entrusted fully, allowing himself to be used in whatever way. And I think for this, we thank him. He had the faith and that simplicity of faith, perhaps and humility to welcome the Lord so he could use him in every capacity. I think whatever we can say is a powerful lesson for us, a powerful lesson, allowing God to use us in whatever way we can, that his will may be done. And for this, we are very grateful to him. Now I'd like to read this letter from the Superior General for this occasion. Your Excellency, Bishop Byrne, dear confers, dear brothers and sisters, participants of the funeral liturgy. How eloquent are the words from the book of Revelation, which author speaks of human death. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Now, indeed, says the spirit, let them rest from their labors for their deeds go with them. Blessed indeed is Father Seraphim now who died in the Lord, sacramentally united with him. His deeds during his long life, supported by God's grace, also go with him. Deeds that were especially related to spreading of the divine mercy message and devotion. One of the best Catholic journalists in Poland, when he heard about Father Seraphim's passing, wrote, there's no exaggeration in the statement of his converse that next to St. Faustina, Blessed Michael Sapochko and, and St. John Paul II, he was the person who did the most to spread the message and devotion to the divine mercy all over the world. For although Father Seraphim held various offices in the community and fulfilled the many task, tasks entrusted to him with great devotion, his whole life was imbued with the desire to carry St. Faustina's message of God's mercy to the very ends of the world. And he truly did, suffice it to mention, his travels around the world to speak at conferences, his efforts to publish St. Faustina's diary, first in Polish, then in English and in Spanish, his efforts to establish the National Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, and above all, the enormous and decisive 
work toward the beatification canonization of St. Faustina, those who knew him closely and worked with him throughout the years of his ministry could add many, many more of his contributions and apostolic initiatives and the intensity and number of prayers he offered to God for this intention are known to him alone, to whom Father Seraphim entrusted his life. Many members in the congregation to which Father Seraphim belonged wonder how to reconcile the charism of the congregation that is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception of the Mother of God with the message of divine mercy. Father Seraphim had no doubts. In faith, out of love for God, who's full of mercy, and for Mary, the Mother of Mercy, he joined these two mysteries of faith with ease. After all, the Immaculate Conception of Mary is a wonderful fruit of God's mercy. I believe that it was Blessed Virgin Mary, our special mother and patroness in her Immaculate Conception, who looked after his life and inspired him to spread the message of God's mercy, of which she was the first to receive in the order of grace. Thanks to her powerful intercession, his ministry was so fruitful, and we are very much aware today Although perhaps not visibly externally, St. Stanislaus Papczynski, our founder and, and, and patron, held a very important role in his life. To this day, I remember his joy at the canonization ceremony that took place in Rome in June 5th, on June 5th, 2016, to which moved by a deep desire, he traveled despite his health and age limitations. In our church's longstanding tradition, the day of death of a Christian is called in Latin dies natalis, the day of birth into heaven. And so it is with Father Seraphim's passing. Here I would wish to share my experience of the many meetings and sharing with him on various occasions, especially during the last visit, that is three years ago. Meeting Father Seraphim always struck me that although he lives on earth, his way of seeing things was not of this world. His immersion in God's world, in the life of the church, in the care for the world's salvation was striking. He lived in the world of heaven and kingdom, so he didn't have to wait for his dies natalis. In our humanity, we experience a sense of loss. It is a good sign as it indicates our attachment to him. It may also be that, he will, that we will miss his wisdom, his peace, serenity, equanimity, simple presence, and his, and his views of things in the perspective of faith and hope. In fact, however, we do not lose him, but gain. His being with us will be different, but real. Through his intercession and through the witness of his living faith, hope and love, lived in the service of the church and of his fellow men and women. Britain in Rome, February 17th, Ash Wednesday, Father Andrew Pakula, our Superior General. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? 
I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.